what would you guess is the ratio for the time we spend dreading or outright avoiding difficult conversations to actually having them? 10 to 1, 20 to 1, 100 to 1? But how might that ratio change if, prior to initiating such a conversation, you felt as prepared as you possibly could be? You're probably never going to be a person who enjoys having conversations like this, and trust us, we aren't either. But changing the time spent prior to a trying conversation from simply ruminating to actually preparing is certainly something to try, and also decreases the likelihood of you and your co-communicator will fall out of a metaphoric window. So... We're taking the snake out of our boots and reaching for the sky on this week's episode as we shine a magnifying glass on what it takes to be a candid communicator using, but of course, the 90s animated classic, Toy Story. Welcome back to the Grounded Learners Guild, the podcast that gets real about education, authentic leadership, and the transcendent power of being a part of a highly functioning team. Here are your hosts, La Capitana Casey Veach team skeptic and idea slinger of spaghetti, Emily Coquelin, and me, clarifying the GLG butter, Jenny Labrie. In 1995, Disney and Pixar released the first of what would soon become an industry norm, a full-length computer-animated feature film, Toy Story. The story featured the voice talents of two of America's dads in that era, Tim Allen and Tom Hanks, as Buzz and Woody, who are forced to come to terms with their new partnership as Andy's favorite toys. Woody is a planner by nature, but he is blinded by his frustration with Andy's new toy. As Rex the Dinosaur says in the first movie, I don't like confrontation! But imagine how things would have been different if Woody had planned and executed a candid conversation with Buzz about how he was feeling and clarified expectations. Even though our metaphor for this episode involves toys, candid conversations are no child's play. Holding these types of conversations with a colleague, leader, parent, or student is part of being a professional in education or in any field. So in this episode, it's our intention to provide our listeners with a toy box of strategies to prepare for and have candid conversations. Hi, everybody. Welcome back in our Yay. full, beautiful audio glory after that dabble. It sounded like ourselves again. <laughs> it's good to be back yes, in our home yes, base. Yes, yes. <laughs> and first off, just want to express some gratitude for this particular topic today. Candid conversations, courageous conversations, fierce, co- whatever acronym you use for conversations has always been an area of growth for me professionally. We'll talk about that in more detail, but I'm excited to unpack some of this with the two of you. So very grateful. So let's kind of kick things off. Why are candid conversations so hard? Let's first start in general. Oh, gosh, what you have to communicate to other people isn't always good, or it would be easy. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, everybody wants to give positive feedback, wants to tell everybody, you're doing a great job, everything's fine, Mm -hmm. things are great. But unfortunately, what makes these candid conversations hard is if you're truly being candid, you have to talk about negatives, you have to talk about areas for growth, you have to talk about Mm -hmm. struggles that people are having, and you have to sometimes talk through some things that might be negative or awkward. And the opportunity for feelings to be heard is there, and nobody wants to do it. What comes to my mind is the level of authenticity and vulnerability that you need to have and self-awareness to be able to 
find the reciprocity necessary to have these types of conversations. And oftentimes, if there's a little bit of tension already that exists between two individuals, how are you going to get through Mm -hmm. that? And you have to tap into that vulnerability with somebody you maybe don't trust as much. It makes it just really hard. Yeah, I would say part of it and (laughs) type A personality, control issue person (laughs) over here, I can control the scripting of a conversation, but I cannot control the way that person will react to the thing that I want to and feel compelled and need to share. And that's the part, not being able to have a plan of response has always been very, very nerve wracking and why I shy away from having these conversations. And it's in all facets of my life. I'm a people pleaser just by my mere nature. And so to have a conversation that would potentially rock a boat even if it's as simple as I ordered hash brown and not American breakfast potatoes, I will eat those breakfast potatoes because (sighs) I don't want to rock the boat. It's almost like you have to have a level of trust with yourself to be able to go with the flow. Casey, as you're talking about being type A and the controlling part of it, you can't. And I'm thinking of choose your own adventure almost, except there's no choice. But it's like, if the person on the other side of the conversation makes this move in the conversation, you have to be, all right, go to page 72, because that's where we're going now. Versus where I was planning on going to page 49, because that's where I was hoping it was headed. And I would say another thing that I struggle with is when you mentioned choose your own adventure, Jenny, that's kind of funny. I was always the one who would like, you fell off a cliff and died, and then I'd go back and pretend I didn't make that decision. (laughs) Rewind. Can you do that? Read your life. <laughs> no, but that does manifest oh, no. in one of my favorite terms ever, uh, l'esprit d'escalier, which is, I probably butchered the French pronunciation of that. Come at me, Leo. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I, what I, I would say from that is that that's it means spirit of the staircase. And it's that idea of having the right words or the right comeback after the conversation has already happened. And that is something that after difficult conversations, particularly, I often torture myself with is just thinking of what I should have said or what I could have said a little mm-hmm. bit better. So almost like what what would have happened if I had gone back a couple pages and made a different choice, you know. So this is why this is really important to me to talk about as well is just because a lot of times people not only, as was mentioned in the hook, like ruminate before these conversations take place, but also after, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I right. definitely do that. I would think our listeners out there, everybody can relate to that at some point, you know, self-proclaimed more methodical thinker as myself, it's like, dang it, I wish I had thought that quicker so I could have said that in the moment. So that reflective piece is something that often happens in those reflection of how I could have done that better with the individual. And so going into those conversations, there's a little bit of an anxiety of like trying not to let that happen as much as possible. And that's why it's good that we have our friends with Pixar to help us through this today as we can keep it out of our own awkward interactions and and leave it there. (laughs) So let's talk about when we need and ultimately deserve candid conversations. And I'll kick us off. There's a number of different resources that the three of us have pulled from for this particular episode. I know, Emily, we often, you and I quote Jennifer Abrams, her early book, Having Hard Conversations. Exactly. And she has a couple of more books, Hard Conversations Unpacked, that relate to more examples and what this looks like. You have Crucial Conversations. But another book that we've toyed with early on is the book by, I think it's Kim Scott, Radical Candor. It could be Kim Smith. I have had the book on my nightstand for two years (laughs) because I always have to like 
stop, this is making me awkward and uncomfortable and go back to it. And in her book, she outlines what she likes to call the radical candor continuum. So if you envision an X and a Y axis, when you are having growth-focused, candid conversations with people, it shows that you truly care about that individual's personal growth but also are willing to face challenges head on at the same time because you know that only growth can happen when those two things come together. When we have rigor and personal care, we need that feedback component and that's what a difficult conversation truly should be. If we don't have those pieces, so if we have the challenge but don't have the personal care and that's not felt by that other person, the subject that you're providing feedback to is going to experience defensiveness. And you won't see that growth occur because that care is not involved. So it really is a sign of care to someone if you do have humane, (laughs) candid conversations. And I think that's the big piece of it. You betcha. And Casey, I fact-checked you just to be sure it was Kim Scott. Yes, I knew it. With your gut. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) But do you two have any thoughts on that piece? Like to care personally and challenge directly? Yeah, definitely. I think it's interesting that you brought this up as almost like something that people deserve too. Because I think it's not just a matter of if they happen at all, but also when they happen. Mm -hmm. This need to demonstrate your personal caring, but still make the investment in that rigor, as you mentioned, needs to happen. Mm -hmm. But it also kind of needs to happen early, like as soon as you sense there's a problem. And maybe I'm jumping the gun with discussing this as well. But if you've made investment in that personal caring in another person, in a person that you're working with or trying to, you know, move forward in a relationship or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. that direct challenging is something that needs to happen early in that relationship so that they're aware of that investment in challenging them and trying to help them become the them that you know they have the potential to be. It's almost like making an investment. You make it early and often. I mean, I'm not saying you have to have hard conversations all the time, but to help them, you might have to, you know? Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking too, Emily, about like our metaphor connection to Toy Story. You know that Woody is challenging Buzz directly. You're a toy. (laughs) Like, just figure it out. (laughs) But the difference is, He does not care personally. He's got a personal stake in Buzz going out the window and getting out of his way. There is no personal care there, which is why only when they go on their little back from Pizza Planet journey together that they develop that sense of personal care where we see that growth. That's so true. And in this medium of podcasting, you can't really see the access that Casey's talking about. We highly recommend that you go and look it up from Kim Scott's book. But it is so true. And that level of balance and understanding, for example, I need to be thinking about if there's conflict or friction that's happening, maybe I'm leaning too heavily in one of them, right? Or I don't have that balance in the direction that we're hoping to with the challenging directly and the caring personally. Maybe I'm not being direct enough. Maybe I'm not challenging them enough. Like you're saying, Woody was, maybe Maybe I'm not. And I would probably think that I lean on that. I don't mind the caring piece. It's being the direct piece that 
requires a little bit Mm -hmm. more intentionality on my part. I'd wonder what, as listeners are out there too, reflecting on where do you fall on that continuum and in that axis while you're prepping for a particular candid conversation or you're feeling the tension and know that it needs Mm -hmm. to happen. Think of it along those lines too. And where does that leave Woody in obnoxious aggression? Yep, absolutely. I mean, he's basically just yelling in his face, (laughs) so that tracks. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So as we move into our next couple of sections, one of the things that always pops into my head when it comes to having candid or challenging conversations is a quote from Jen Abrams that she uses in her book, do you want to be right or do you want to communicate well? And depending on where you are in that continuum, changes the mindset with which you approach this conversation? Is it about supporting that individual's growth and as such planning out the best way to bring up this information to meet the needs of that person? Or is it all about, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm going to push you down? I think it's really important for us to have that in the in the back of our minds as we consider what are some of the best ways for us to move forward with these types of conversations. But what are your two thoughts on why we fall short? I think that people fall short from that because they're bringing a lot of their own emotion into that. And I automatically will go back to personality types. But I think when you have some of the people Mm -hmm. with the the T and the J in their personality typing, a lot of times you'll see that they might want to be more direct and cut and dry with what they're seeing and what needs to change. And a lot of that personal caring, even if they have it, isn't necessarily as easy for them to communicate or express in the moment. It's just, this is what's happening. This is what needs to be fixed. Sometimes just by the nature of who we are, not everybody has natural ability in those communication skills. Another Mm -hmm. thing I think that can really come up here is that people, like you said, they can plan their side of the conversation. Like if you're planning on making this investment and making it from this place of personal caring and direct challenging, this isn't just like something that you deliver. You're not sending a video message to this person. It's a conversation, which means that there's going to be some give and take and that the possibility always exists for the other person to fall in a different part of the proverbial quadrant of how they receive that. Yes. And I was so excited to see this quote that you have from Abrams, Casey, the one that you just mentioned about, do you want to be right? Because it makes Mm -hmm. me think about Brene Brown you know, the great and powerful Mm -hmm. Renee Brown. She talks about in her own meeting, she says to the people that she's working with frequently, I'm not here to be right. I'm here to get it right. Which is along those same lines of what you're talking Mm -hmm. about. It's like, how are you, what posture are you bringing to that conversation? Mm -hmm. And and I'm not going to lie. I do think that can be really tricky for leaders because leaders in positions of leadership where sometimes the buck stops with them and they need to be right a lot of the times and they need to communicate in a way that communicates their confidence in their decisions and that communicates their competence in what they're saying. And I'm not saying that leaders don't have that personal caring. I just think that sometimes the communication style of someone who's proverbially large and in charge can sometimes not have that same sense of, Mm -hmm. I want to get it right, as Brene Brown or as Jen Abrams's quote is communicating. I think sometimes, whether that's the intention or not, People who are used to communicating from that place of, I know what's best for kids here, or I know what needs to be done in our family, that they communicate from that place of, well, I am right, so let's get this right instead. Right. No, I love that. So let's talk about and swap some strategies to add to our toy box here 
What are some hacks that we can think of when it comes to having a difficult conversation, whether that's before the conversation happens, during the conversation, or after the conversation? I usually go to prep work first because, again, I mentioned there's rumination on both ends, but I already kind of brought it up. I always go back to personality typing and Kesey and differentiated mm-hmm. coaching, but that idea of knowing and understanding the person you're going to be talking to first. Even if this is an early investment, like I described, where you're trying to help somebody along before something snowballs into a big problem, where maybe you want the hard conversation to be short. So I already mentioned that idea of timing, considering when a hard conversation happens Mm -hmm. in terms of the development of the problem. But I also think that knowing who you're talking to, thinking of their communication style, and finding out what you can about how they receive difficult news. One of the best bosses I've ever asked for openly asked that, how do you like to receive hard or difficult news? And I said, Mm -hmm. basically, what I'm saying here is one on one, kindly, and before it's a big problem. Knowing that about people, though, is really, really important to know that this is what a person needs. And this is what this person needs in a Mm -hmm. tough conversation. Absolutely. I love that you bring up to timing. (laughs) The worst thing you can do as a leader is as you're walking through the hallway, Jenny Abrams calls it the drive-by, where Mm. you're like, oh, can I see you in my office during your planning period? Okay, bye. Like nothing is already going to create a dysregulated state on the part of a child or a teacher who's just had that moment. It's not demonstrating personal care for that individual. Also, if you have someone that I was talking to recently, we were discussing the same topic. And when it came to staffing, like now is the time of year where staffing notices start being provided to individuals. And if you have to let a staff member know that they will not be returning in the following year, you don't do it when there are still two periods left in the day with children (laughs) because Mm -hmm. that person is dysregulated and have to go back. And that's not fair to that person or the children. So if you have to do that, having a sub there to cover those last two periods is another hack for if you can't control when it has to happen, having a fail safe to cover that gap in between. Oh, God, that's so important. Thinking of that emotional dysregulation. (laughs) Seriously, anxiety check with that drive by. Who has ever heard the Mm -hmm. phrase, we need to talk and had a full blown meltdown? I can. Oh, yeah. It happens on the weekly. I have definitely done that. (laughs) Yup. We need to talk. (sighs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've all been there. Everybody, listeners, I hope I didn't make your blood pressure go up just even saying those words. Yeah. So one of the things when we talk about the planning phase of a difficult conversation, Jen Abrams has this in her book, but she actually has taken this from the Adaptive Schools program, which is coming up with an outcome map. It's really important when you know a difficult conversation or a candid conversation has to be had, it's important to engage in an outcome map where you truly articulate what the problem is, what you want to see, like clearly articulating the expectation. Oftentimes there's miscommunication or failure to understand expectations is the cause behind a number of difficult conversations that have to happen. So what's the problem? What do you want to see instead? What do those expectations that you have look like and sound like with specific examples? 
and this is my favorite, why might the person not be doing the behavior? Truly diving in to empathizing, is there something that might be getting into this individual's way for why they're not doing the thing? And what supports can you offer to help overcome some of those barriers? And what supports do you as the deliverer of the bad news need in order to make this happen? So that shows by investing that time and engaging in that thinking, it can be really helpful and give you the confidence to deliver that challenging news. Totally. And just drawing the line clearly from one thing to another thing, back when we did the episode on co-teachers, this was the tool that I was thinking of as a way of helping co-teachers who are struggling improve their communication is outcome mapping a difficult conversation when they're having trouble sharing that instructional space and time or what have you, Mm -hmm. is to try to make sure that they are considering outcome mapping as a way of increasing their communication skills with each other to try to fulfill the betterment of that co-teaching relationship. So just wanted to tie a knot on that one. Yeah. And connecting even to the beginning of this conversation and the access and the reflection we talked about, if you notice that you lean one way more so than another, this tool can help you be more intentional about, hey, if that empathy piece is something that's lacking in some of the conversations I have, either because I'm rushing or it's just not something I'm naturally inclined to do, that's where you can spend a little bit more time to bump up Mm -hmm. that piece on the axis. I think too, a lot of people are very much in the habit of rehearsing or thinking through what they're going to say. Again, we've already mentioned that you don't have control over the recipient and how the message is going to be internalized and responded to. But a lot of times we start to plan out what we're going to say. And I think this is an Abrams thing is this idea of swapping out like the word but for the word and. So you are a great teacher, but. But. (laughs) Has a different vibe to it than. You're a great teacher, and we want to continue to invest in seeing you be the best Mm -hmm. teacher you can be. Has a completely different ring to it. That caring can sometimes even be communicated better by even changing anything that says but, because that Mm -hmm. automatically, even just putting the word but in there, robs any kind thing you say by putting the difficult part. Conditional. It's conditional. Yeah. 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 Language is important. We've said on this podcast so many times that words matter, right? Thinking about the co-teaching and if you're using language that's as the gen ed teacher, I am the one that's doing this instead of we are the ones doing this, right? It really does change that. It's the same concept. It's these words matter. The pronouns that you're picking I or we when you're co-teaching or when you're having a difficult conversation, Mm -hmm. that button and those small little hacks are the things that are going to make all the difference or make or break you in that conversation. Mm -hmm. Emily, I love that you're mentioning the script. There is a script available that Jen Abrams recommends. And just to give you an idea of what's included in that, as you're planning the conversation, first and foremost, have an opening statement, like you mentioned, that includes positive intent. So you are an exceptional support of students. You have great relationships with students. And that's why I want to talk about the environment that we have in your classroom. I know kids matter to you. And as a result, that's why we're talking about this. Frame the issue using professional language. This next one was a little hard for me. You want to avoid statements like, I feel... And I think 
when you are delivering the bad news. The reason is it puts things into the subjective lens and takes them away from what reality was. I think you could do a better job at this. It's less of that subjective piece. I heard you say to another student, whatever it is. And that's really in line with for any leaders out there that are using evaluation techniques. You want to avoid the feeling language and you want to be really specific on the feedback that if you're in an observation, same is true for this conversation. You also want to provide clarification as you're providing those specific examples and limit it to no more than three. (laughs) And it should be related in close proximity to what is currently happening. So you don't want to have the laundry list of what occurred in August and October and November Mm -hmm. and December. And now you're in February rehashing all that old stuff. You want to isolate the conversation to the current moment so that you're not causing someone to move into higher levels of dysregulation. Yes. Comes back to what I said about timing too. You don't wait to have a conversation in February about a problem that you noticed in October or you're doing something wrong as a leader. If you can't take an investment in that teacher or in that person to have a conversation with them it maybe even give them the first opportunity to, okay, they were having a bad day. But the second time you notice that problem, you better be saying something. That idea of, of letting problems pile up and then, God forbid, referring to all of them. Oh, my gosh. that's mm-hmm. That not only says that I didn't care enough to talk to you about this earlier, but it also says I've been keeping track. I'm keeping yep. score. And here they all are. Yep. You're the worst, yep. basically. I would see pretty much anybody going to the defensive place from that. Also clarifying the impact of their behavior on other individuals. So for example, to bring in our Toy Story metaphor, Mm -hmm. if Woody had said, Buzz, I'm noticing that Andy is playing with you a lot. And I believe, see, I almost said I feel as Ah. that makes me feel unwanted Or, you know, it's even sounds more subjective in that case and put somebody on the defensive to say that. But framing how that is impacting other individuals is really helpful. And then a request for change and an invitation for dialogue. So what about this do you want to talk about? Does this make sense? How can I help with our understanding and our ability to move forward with this? Yeah, especially if you want to have a conversation go somewhere. (laughs) Nothing is worse than when you Mm -hmm. feel like you just walked out of a conversation and you're like, what? I mean, it's the same thing. Like when you walk out of a meeting, like what did we just spend our time doing? The same thing goes with this Mm -hmm. conversation. Like what was the point of the conversation if you haven't planned for that call to action or that request for action or the invitation to what's next? Where do we want to go with this? Or what is the intended outcome that we hope to get from Mm -hmm. the time we're spending Mm -hmm. in this, for lack of a better term, sticky conversation. One of the favorite closers that I took notes on during my Jen Abrams researching was, do you see how this impacts our team? Do you see the impact that this is having on other people? And then it becomes an open discussion of dialogue, either yes, I do, or no, I don't. And let's talk about why that is. I'd even like to point out there that that's framed as a question. Imagine if that were stated like, this has an impact on our team, doesn't invite the person Mm -hmm. to reflect and also have an opportunity to not only think about it, but also offer their perspective 
but then it might also open mm-hmm. their mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it it invites more global thinking. This isn't just me versus you. Even if there's two people having the conversation, it gets them to consider that impact on others as well. So that's a great mm-hmm. question to end with. And I love the, how can I help? There are things that we want to say in the conversation. I am willing to do this and this to support, but also what else can I do to help support you in this can be reiterating partnership. Here's a question for the both of you, but I would even think drawing from my parenting experience, let me first state, I'm not comparing this to parenting, but the skill that you use Mm -hmm. when you're parenting, like you're not going to offer up something that you can't follow through on wouldn't you think would be similar in this conversation, right? You don't want to offer up something that you wouldn't be able to follow through on as well. Yeah, good call. And honestly, there's no harder conversation than a conversation with a toddler, let's be real. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, after those kind, you should be a master communicator, right? Right on. (laughs) All right. Do you want to role play? Sure. Am I Buzz or Woody? (laughs) Part of me wants you to be Woody. (laughs) (laughs) Or is Jenny? I am not role playing. She's like, oh, hell no, I'm not doing that. Oh, hell no. (laughs) All right. So, Casey, I know we kind of took a stab at it before when you were talking about what Woody should say to Buzz. I really want to hear the rest of it. It would be helpful to frame this in the sense of how we do this. And honestly, I'd even be willing to put it on the line and try this out myself. We all are going to have to have these conversations. And sometimes we might not have the opportunity to plan for them as deeply other than the million times our kids watch Toy Story. Toy so Story. <laughs> maybe, maybe we give this a try for our listeners, like we've done a little bit of hypothetical coaching before for our Loki mm-hmm. and Thor and our cast of friends and beyond. And uh, let's give it a go. All right. So I'm thinking if you're going through this script, one of us is going to have to be Woody. And like I said, I volunteer as tribute. I'm Buzz. Two okay, and, you be- and beyond. <laughs> so before we do... For our listeners, we kind of need to get that script figured out. The outcome, the desired outcome that Woody wants is that he wants Buzz to understand that he's a toy, Mm -hmm. but also be aware of the emotional impact that it has on Woody and the other toys for him to be the dominant favorite Mm -hmm. toy in the room, right? Okay. I think I can do this. I'm going to give it a try. But if I fail miserably at TechCoachM on Twitter. All right, here we go. (laughs) Or Pixar will sue me. Maybe both. All right. So, um... Hey, Buzz, I was wondering if we could have a a quick conversation. Does that work for you? Absolutely, Sheriff, but it's got to be quick. I got to start repairing my ship. All right, Buzz, this will just take a minute. I wanted to begin by letting you know that you have been doing such great work making Andy happy. Since his birthday, he's really been enjoying his playtime so much, and it's just... All of us here in Andy's room are so excited to see Andy excited. That's really what being a toy is about for us. And we see so much great potential in you as his favorite toy to continue making playing with toys literally his favorite thing to do, which is awesome. One thing I would really like to ask you about and maybe bring up as a potential concern is when Andy leaves the room, The other toys and I are noticing that you go right into this mode where you're talking about Zerg and you're fixing your spaceship (laughs) and you're you're on a mission. And the mission seems to be about something other than Andy. Can you tell us a little more about that? Well, Emperor Zerg's trying to take over the galaxy and I've got to fix my ship so I can fly back to Star Command and help save the world. I certainly understand that. And that's very important with the way that you've come into this universe. 
But one other thing to consider is the toys in this room, and that includes you, Buzz, are Andy's entire world. He is so excited to come in and play with us as toys. And whether you save the universe or not will not affect his life. But whether he enjoys playing with all of us as his toys, you included, Buzz, really means everything to this kid. And one of the things I think could help is if we as his toys are a little more collaborative as a group and a little more focused on Andy. So one of the things I've noticed is as soon as Andy Andy leaves, you're running around trying to fix this spaceship. One of the things that we could do in this regard is when Andy comes in the room, we need you to fall down to the ground immediately and stay there for a little bit longer, okay? You can still work on your spaceship when Andy's out of the room, but we need to make sure that you're really doing the work that you need to do to make sure that Andy doesn't see us moving around and that his love for us as the toys in his life aren't ruined. Because like I said, you are saving his world every day, Buzz, and you are so important and you have more than one mission that you really need to think about, not just Star Command, but also Toy Command. And so if you are able to continue communicating what you need from us, me, the sheriff, and the other toys in the room, then we could really see some improvement in both your ability to focus on both your missions and some improvement in all of our lives because we're going to be in this room together for a long time, Buzz. And I think that you'll find that your time in here could be really fun and you could really enjoy this and not always feel like you need to go somewhere else or work on something else. And you could really learn to love life as a toy space ranger, not just as a space ranger. Well, Earth Sheriff, first off, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you telling me these things and being open and honest with me. And I believe both missions are equally important. This Andy has written his name on my foot. And so I see how important I am to him. And you all have been so helpful providing me scotch tape and other tools to help me fix my ship. And so therefore I will accept your mission in addition to my Star Command mission on supporting Andy. Thank you, Buzz. It hasn't been the easiest for me to adjust to Andy having another favorite toy. I would say that that was kind of my primary role before, but I really appreciate your ability to consider Andy as our primary mission. We really are his whole world and his whole universe, and I accept your partnership, and I look forward to seeing what we can do to move forward. I feel good about this, too. Thanks, Buzz. And scene. You got a friend in me. Sorry. In me. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, Emily, you get an award for taking Woody down several notches in his like, yes. reactions, right? And yeah. Casey, you're just a master thespian. We got to see really what it must have been like with Casey in the theater. Oh man. I love that you oh fully embraced fully embrace the, the role. character yes reflectively i think bringing himself down a lot of levels and really keeping things focused on andy and not his own bad mm -hmm. vibes would have helped it would he have that conversation when you think about what skill he had to channel he had to stop stop with that what was it obnoxious aggression and really yeah. come to that personal caring place for buzz yeah. even though buzz was annoying him Absolutely. And to me, when I was first hearing you describe my role in Andy's world, 
it really helped put things in perspective for me and you were painting reality but not being unkind about it. I wasn't put in a position where I felt like I could come at you for you bringing these concerns because you were having another person, another big idea at the heart of it. So it was a cool experience. I appreciated it. <laughs> and then the two of you were also finding common ground, right? Instead of the one against the other, what's your common ground? Mm -hmm. And that's Andy. Yep. Yep. All right, so even if hey. that wasn't enough of a game, we we, we probably should play another game, right? Yeah. There are never too yes. many games. Oh, no. Never, 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 never. We're going to go ahead and play Would You Rather Toy Story Candid Conversation Edition. <laughs> so we're going to each go around and share which of these we would rather do. So first one, would we rather have to convince the other toys to accept Lotso Huggin' Bear or Stinky Pete into the Toy Brigade fold? Which would you rather? I would pick Lotso. I liken him to a veteran teacher that's just, you know, sometimes had a couple of tough knocks and is a little grumpy and gruff on the outside, but usually are a little more tender on the inside and you just need to work through some of those feels in a non-threatening way, one-on-one, -on -one, be able to open that door to a warm conversation that might just take time. And I don't mind spending mm -hmm. the time that it takes. Like, I don't need a one-and-done conversation. I revel in the challenge of getting to that gooey center that's so hard for others, perhaps. Mm -hmm. So that's why I would go with Lotso. Oh, that's tricky. That's really, really hard because they both really act out in ways that are terrible for the other terrible. toys and i could see those being just complete <laughs> like stopping points what they're doing but i'm gonna have to agree with jenny on that it's because i think lotso's backstory is so similar to jesse's if you're mm -hmm. trying to think of how to have that conversation or even who to have that conversation like sometimes it doesn't always have to be the leader right it doesn't always have to be woody I feel yeah. like maybe if you're really trying to think about what member on your team has that conversation with Lotso to bring him back in the fold, maybe it is Jessie. She has mm -hmm. been really, really badly burned, but learned how to accept her presence in a kid's life again. And if Lotso was going to come off the front of the truck and join their room, didn't he? <laughs> 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 yeah. Then maybe yeah, Jessie's I would probably one. the one to bring him in because their their stories of trauma are very similar. Yeah. I would have to answer it similarly only because I feel like I know more about Lotso's backstory than Stinky Pete would just to be able to make the choice between the two of them to draw that common ground and parallel between him and Jesse. So kudos to us. We all matchy matchied. Unanimous. It wasn't even the game. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Next well, we should get one, points anyways, you... though. Oh, yes. So we all get... Four Barbie and Ken dream houses. Yes, I always um, wanted that. <laughs> so next, would we rather help Sid understand why he needs to play more appropriately with his toys or help Buzz understand that he's a toy? I feel like I'm biased about this because I kind of was just trying to do that. And if you noticed in that conversation, I skipped trying to get him to realize that he's a toy and just get him to accept yeah. a second mission because I think that mm -hmm. that's a lot harder to deal with that level of delusion. Whereas the mm -hmm. scene in the movie where they, I guess, kind of scare him straight. Question, do we have to use having these strategies that we've been modeling or are we still allowed to scare him? <laughs> <We're> not... 
anything goes in the game. Best. Yes. All right. Anything goes. I was going to put a constraint, but let's not. <laughs> then I, I'm going with Sid because that conflict was resolved a lot faster than the buzz conflict. I'm sticking with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say Sid as well, only because it's easier to help somebody understand why he shouldn't hurt someone than it is to unravel a pretty complex delusion. I'm going with Sid as well. We're thinking Mm -hmm. along the lines of working with students and sometimes your perception of your identity is still malleable. Buzz is very firm in his identity and so that's just going to take more work. Now, I'm often up for the challenge, so I'm not going to say that I would never have that conversation with Buzz, but the game is either or, so I'd go with Sid. Right. If we made it Spanish Buzz, though, that might give a different different (laughs) answer. (laughs) Well, I think, too, we're all in parenting mode so often. So it's a lot easier, I think, for us to slide into the Sid parenting piece of it, because clearly he's got some negligent parents going on there. Yeah. Let's not read in too much into the fact that I said right. I would still scare him. Just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and lastly, would you rather have to help Forky in Toy Story 4 more appropriately channel his urge to jump into the trash can? Or convince Buzz and Zerg to get along. Similar levels of delusion this time. So this is <laughs> yes. I could probably try to go for intergalactic peace a little bit yeah. more. Just because I think Forky seems to forget the conversation as soon as it happens. So I think it might be, <laughs> it might be easier to work with Buzz and Zerg. You're really sticking yeah. to Forky's personality to make that decision. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> I was going to choose Forky. I was just think going along for the ride would be super fun because he's just a blast. So yeah, it's delusional, but like it would be at least be a good time. So I'm going with Forky. I have a deep seated dislike for Toy Story 4. So Forky can go in the trash. Poor, poor Forky. Jenny wants to hang with Forky in case he's like, ooh, there's another hard conversation we could have someday. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, poor Forky. (laughs) All right. So moving back into our world, Taste of What's to Come on the Grounded Learners Guild. We hope you'll join us for our new upcoming series, which is Parent University. We were just mentioning our roles as parents. This is, jokes aside, something we all take very seriously and is really meaningful to us being parents as well as educators. And I think it's really important sometimes to consider things through that parenting lens. And so we're going to spend a couple of episodes doing exactly that. Hope you can join us. And that's a wrap. It's so good to be behind the mics talking to you all. Thanks for choosing to come around to engage with our guild's content as we passionately continue to advocate for adult learners with transparent conversations about the world of education, impactful leadership, and the power of high-functioning teams. If you'd like to connect, the power of the PLN continues as always, and you can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, and on Twitter, at GroundedLGuild, at CVeacher, at Tech Coach M and at Jenny Labrie using the hashtag GLGPodChat. Do you even realize your feedback is everything? Feedback is a powerful tool that allows us to be responsive to the topics that matter to you most. If you haven't yet already or are finding us for the first time, how about leaving us a review as well as subscribing? You can find us wherever you stream. Thanks as always for tuning in to be a part of the Grounded Learners Guild. That's it for us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, in today's episode. See you at the next Guild meeting. And don't forget, 
In the meantime, do your best to stay grounded. <laughs>